Hey, this is Ryan Lichten from Culture Dumps and Podcast 99. Do you wish you could do something to support your boys even more than just listening to our awesome shows? Well, now you can. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash culturedumps, where you will find over 100 bonus episodes from our many side series, like Squirts, DocuDumps, Ryan's Report, WDUMP, The Brown Sound, and Woodstock 99 set commentaries. Our Patreon also includes exclusive access to our research materials and a cornucopia of other Dump and Woodstock 99 related content, including the infamous Woodstock 99 mystery tape. We know times are tough. If you can't swing a subscription, always remember, a great way to support the show is to spread the word. Keep on dumping, and we'll see you at Woodstock. Hello, and welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. We're continuing the saga of Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, got some good responses for, from part one, so uh, thank you for listening, and I'm glad you're as excited as we are. Um, yeah, we haven't done like a, a multi-parter in a while. Uh, it, it's fun. I, my favorite part is getting to pick where they end, like where they're going to leave off. Which chapters? Like the like the cliffhanger, yeah. So I, I felt last mm. last week was good, but I think this week's cliffhanger is even better. A um, couple things, though, you know, like I said, the story is really complicated to cover because there's really only been one like reputable book to come out about it that like keeps everything concise. So that's really my main point of reference. But like the more I try and like back search things and like you know look more into certain it's like everything's different from every different source so i'm trying to like you have to average out like 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 how many report it this way how many report it this way and then you take the average of whatever one is uh more commonly so there's going to be some uh light backtracking um but previously on culture dumps uh so the young vicky lynn hogan she uh moves to mahea from houston she gets knocked up by a young fry cook named billy smith she meets the billionaire oil tycoon j howard marshall um and money bags yeah mr money but yeah daddy warbucks um daddy more bucks and uh it's <laughs> so stupid uh and then you know she she begins two separate uh lesbian relationships meets a playboy photographer and of course ends up on the cover of march 1992's issue of playboy magazine and that is where we left you off and of course she has a, a young son daniel um from from the the fry cook billy um that she met at jim's crispy fried chicken which i don't know if you guys if you guys should follow us on instagram uh, at culture dumps but i posted i went and found jim's yelp review like their yelp page and it looks <laughs> fucking bomb dude like that shit yeah it looks fucking good and like it, it's definitely a popular spot like and like at first i was like i don't know if if these pictures are recent, but I was like, no, that's like a newer Subaru in the parking lot. Like in the, in the <laughs> you're picture. doing like forensic research. <laughs> yeah. And cause I, I'm not going to take a trip out to Mejia if I can't get some gyms. That's what we're going to get you. We got to get, um, and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dump. So yeah. you can help, uh, send Ryan to Mejia to Jim's crispy fried chicken. I'm going to make, that's, that's what we'll do with your, your valuable money. Right. Well, the the well other thought contributions. The, the other big project, uh, you know, if people are wondering uh, what we do with that money, um, besides buy my candy and stuff, um, is uh, I, we got gifted like a huge. Well, 
I'm, they're on loan, but a huge box of Woodstock 99 tapes that were taped from the pay-per-view. And, you know, like when we watched all of that stuff for podcast 99, we're watching just the sets. But what the pay-per-view did is they would like split the screen. So on one side of the screen, it's like the performance going and the other side, it's like stuff in the crowd. And there is a shit ton of stuff that I have never seen right. before, dude. It's crazy. So I, uh, we're in the process of funding, um, digitizing that stuff so we can put it up on our, on our Patreon. How much um, have you watched of, of that? Well, my computer is virtually out of space, so I'm running everything <laughs> off of a external hard drive. And so I sat through the first half hour of tape one like three times before I f- like figured out that I, I, there was no way I could save it to my computer. Like after like deleting shit, like clearing out space. So I tried to do I, I'm just dumb. I'm dumb. So I can't figure it out. Um, you know, you tech people, you can hit us up and tell me how to rip something directly onto my external hard how to record from like quicktime directly onto an external hard drive so it doesn't have to pass through my actual computer's memory um but dude i watched fucking three hours the tapes are like five hours long each like these are really long heavy tapes like yeah i didn't know you could vhs would go that long they dude some of the cases in here they say that there's up to eight hours as long as you're recording at like a lower quality it's fucking crazy so i watched Hmm. like james brown oleander jamiroquai but like there's all sorts of crazy shit that happens like on the side screen. Like one, like a guy is just like he has a naked woman on each one of his shoulders and he's just spinning them around in a circle for like a long ass time. <laughs> like like a helicopter or, or like Whoa. a wrestler. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um Yeah, I could imagine just wanting just watching the crowd of all of that. Yeah. Just the crowd camera. Yeah, it's fucking it's it's out of control, um, and then some stuff that we've seen. Um, but yeah, oh, and also like lots of vendor footage and stuff. So that's what we're doing with the money. But um, anyways, like I said earlier, like interviews uh, with Anna Nicole's mother. Uh, those the details in those interviews differ greatly from the story that has been generally reported, which is usually from Anna's point of view. Um, her mom claims that Anna lived with her during her intro to stripping and moved out after her mom had came to uh, came to one of the clubs she heard her daughter was dancing at. She shows up in a squad car. If you remember, her mom was like with the sheriff's department and uh, like picks her up in the squad car, basically like a wrestler kind of <laughs> and brings her back home. So that's when uh, Anna moves out. Also, uh, interesting note, originally her name was supposed to be Kathleen K. That's what Anna's mom wanted to name her, but she was knocked out or whatever or sleeping uh, after giving birth. So her grandma filled out the birth certificate and gave her the name Vicky Lynn because it was closer to her mom's name, Virgie, <laughs> which is like just fucked up. Like, you can't just name my baby. Um <laughs> Yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, uh, you should name it something, like, rad. If you're going to, like, steal the opportunity to name a baby, like, you should name it, like, fucking Hotshot or something. Yeah, Kathleen Kay and Vicky Lynn seem kind of very similar. I mean, one's got the alliteration... I, Vicky Lynn is better though. For Vicky sure. Lynn is fantastic. Yeah, that's a great Playboy playmate name from like the late '80s, early '90s. Um, let's see. Another discrepancy is whether or not she was born in Mahia or Houston. I'm thinking that she was born in Houston because I can't imagine that Mahia had like a facility for that. But they probably had mm-hmm. a hospital. Um, but yeah, it might have been Mahia, and then she moved to Houston during her stripping heyday. It, it, it's it's kind of weird the the timeline of where she was living but on with the show 
So, after taking Playboy by storm with her voluptuous feature, I voluptuous <laughs> <laughs> features. <laughs> after taking Playboy by storm with her voluptuous features and down home personality, Anna, then still Vicky Lynn, was approached by Paul Marciano, a co founder of Guess Inc. Marciano saw something in Anna that no one had seen in a model in quite some time, whether it be her shape, personality, or power. He hired her to be the new face of Guess, and the following ad campaign would help to define the era. Now, she had taken Claudia Schiffer's spot. Claudia Schiffer, you know, mega supermodel of all time. Okay, so Claudia Schiffer, we salute you. Showing. Uh, mm -hmm. th that was who was in Anna's spot before, and then they they hired Anna, and they really wanted it to be like old glamour. Like if you, there's so many um, comparisons between like photo shoots that Marilyn Monroe did and the guest campaign with Anna. Like some are like virtually shot for shot. Um, but another thing, and this is a callback to a, a an earlier culture dump. Anna's look and like what guest was going for was in direct opposition to heroin chic, which was like dominating the fashion world at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, like the slinky, the, you know, sickly kind of like, like very slender. And I think that that the very the very skinny look would continue on into the early 2000s with in, you know, with Paris Hilton, uh, Tara Reid. I remember from American Pie. Yeah was like very much like that and you know and, and now when you look at even like the late 90s it's i mean it's sort of alarming like that's kind of when you would really hear about a lot of these very intense beauty standards of being like super super thin uh, and anna nicole was definitely not that Right, and so that's what made her stand out so much, and it was like, damn, this is fresh. But, I mean, she couldn't be replicated, so most companies, yeah, stayed with the more slender, like, you know, sleek, super tall look, whereas Guess was like, va-va-voom, you know? Um, but, yeah, like a buxom, classic Hollywood babe, like loud, flashy, all that mm -hmm. good stuff, instead of, like, dark and kind of dreary and, like, grungy, like heroin chic uh, was. Now, the Guess campaign featuring Anna Nicole is to this day considered absolutely iconic. Her billboards were so stunning and captivating that they were the cause of several car accidents in the U.S. and abroad. So much so that Norway actually considered banning any public ads featuring the upcoming superstar. Like, they're just <laughs> too fucking horny in Norway. Oh <laughs> like, um, just the sight of a guest ad would, would cause chaos in Norway. Right. And, uh, and also, uh, Sydney Sweeney like a couple of years ago did a guess ad oh that and makes it's sense. like a, and she her hair is kind of done like anna nicole so it's like a tribute to to this ad campaign i'll have to look Fairly into that recently for research um <laughs> purposes only uh perhaps out of want of breaking away from her troubled roots or just for showmanship vicky lynn decided to change her name she wanted something that in her eyes could be a global sensation after a brief talk with Paul Marciano, it was decided Vicky Lynn Hogan would forever be known as Anna Nicole Smith. And actually, at that time, it is worth noting that she was Vicky Lynn Smith because of the, you know, she changed her name when she got married to Billy Smith, um, even though they were divorced, whatever. Um, but in 1993, Anna Nicole Smith would be named Playmate of the Year, which is huge. It was way, so much bigger of a deal in the, in the 90s than it would be in the early 2000s even. Um, that was yeah, and that's what we were, that's what we were talking about at the end of part one was just kind of how 
how huge uh, Playboy was for such a long time, and uh, and arguably you could say the early two thousands too with uh, Girls, the Girls Next Door, Next Door, yeah. door show. Um, but yeah, it definitely was like it was in some ways it would kind of take you out of a relative obscurity to suddenly becoming like a household name, right? Uh, because Playboy did kind of straddle this line of like. Yes, there's the nudity, but it's not this hardcore pornography. So it kind of had this it nestled itself into a mainstream media in a way that, uh, you know, Penthouse couldn't do or Hustler or just like, you know, right. hardcore porn stars, you know, like penetrative porn, you know, penetrative, so it, it, <laughs> it, you know, his whole Hefner's whole look of like, I'm wearing the robe and smoking the pipe and like, like the classy thing, like as a, as a, um, just as an image, as a ad campaign, as a way of branding, it worked very successfully. Well, yeah, and I mean, it also has to period. do with the fact that they had nightclubs back in like the '60s, you know, like the Playboy mm -hmm. clubs, and then they had like the Playboy After Dark special, where like, you know, they'd really have... important musicians would come, and like they'd have they talk about yeah. social issues and sex and blah blah blah. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, it has that thing. So she becomes the Grateful Dead of the year. played one of those. <laughs> Oh wow! So did Mom's uh, way Mabley. back in the day, yeah. So I think it's it's just interesting because all because now, you know, Hefner's died. Uh, a lot of really sort of seedy uh, things have come out about Playboy since then, and so it kind of makes a lot more sense in our context now to be like, oh, it's this, it's this, um, it's all image and like really all this shady behavior was going on and then obviously the older he got the more it was the like dude like that's gross like that's really nasty um but just sort of putting it back into 30 some years ago and it was a, it had a much different uh perception absolutely and uh you know her first cover for playboy she was still going by vicky lynn um and i'm just like that must have been confusing for like the schlubs at home you know using the playboy magazines like they might like <laughs> like oh she she lied to me <laughs> like i thought this oh was vicky lynn yeah um but yeah and, and also her changing her name was another way for her to, in her head to like kind of follow in the footsteps of marilyn monroe um marilyn mm -hmm. monroe norma jean whatever norma jean. yeah um so somewhere in this time period, she had hired a private investigator to find her estranged father, and the two were reunited after 24 years. Her father, Donald, and her two brothers flew out to Los Angeles to spend several days with their superstar relative, even taking a trip to Disneyland, all at Anna's expense. However, the reunion would be cut short by the same demons she tried so desperately to escape from in Texas. Uh, I actually, one of the weirdest pieces of Anna merch that I have is this like fucking paper thin book uh, of photos. Her brother released it. And mm -hmm. like, so like I forgot his first name, something Hogan, Brett Hogan, maybe something like that. But uh, Brad, I don't know. But um, it's all the pictures from this family trip. And like her dad looks like a fucking character from like righteous gemstones like he's got this mm -hmm. mega pompadour like these gnarly sideburns he wears like the elvis glasses like right right like all that shit but and this um, this uh reunion was uh was in the the netflix documentary there's right. there's footage of it uh which makes it like you're pretty harrowing uh intense to watch uh, yeah for sure because i mean the guy just seems like a total creep and also it's got to be weird like you know, their brothers never met 
like this girl that was like that's their sister and all of a sudden like you know your sister is like fucking playmate of the year and like you're going to like the playboy mansion and all this shit you're just like what the fuck like it's just so much at once um and she was you know limos the, the whole nine yards um but her father had sexually abused uh, Anna's mother's uh, Virgie, her 10-year-old sister, and he served 60 days in jail for that years and years before, which is how he became estranged from the family from fucking molesting a goddamn 10-year-old. Um, her brother Donnie uh, said that their dad was also a Satan worshiper, but in like a very like southern alcoholic kind of way where it's like i'm the devil like i worship the devil mm. but like <laughs> but without any like actual religion like religious aspects to it like it just like i'm the fucking devil and allegedly the dad tried to have sex with anna during that trip he was a serial abuser a serial predator mm-hmm. and he couldn't fucking resist i mean it's just so gross and it's so unfortunate too because she's like oh i have this money now and like i can connect with my father the one thing that's been missing in my life the thing that's like pulled me into the arms of all these random people searching for love so desperately and he fucking you know just puts a big stain on that you know yeah and so that's what i meant by like harrowing or heartbreaking like the footage uh from the netflix documentary because you can tell that she's kind of she's she's gotten this like fame this money and she's like i'm gonna try and find my father and you can really here even just from the footage how hopeful she is that this encounter is going to be positive it's going to sort of put some missing pieces back into her life and how optimistic she is like i'm going to meet i'm going to finally get to see my daddy and he's it's going to be so great and i know he's been missing me and he couldn't find me which is also i mean it's like shit like that she actually says uh where it's kind of like oh no my daddy he's he's been wanting to come back to me he's been missing me and uh it's rarely that case usually it's like they left for a reason and don't necessarily yeah, or were kicked out of the family you know, for a reason i mean the only way this could have been and then again this feels very much like we've talked about sort of the hollywood movie like just the way it's like a movie like a in the movie version the dad would find out that she's rich and like suddenly show up at her doorstep which sure. is also something that elements of that do happen in her life you know once you have the fame and money then people come crawling out of the woodworks, you know, to be like, oh, I'm, I've been missing you. And now that they feel like they can get something from it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. My, but my this... favorite character that fits into that genre uh, we'll be talking about. On exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but in, and again, it's um, it's not something that I don't know. It's the the abuse is a very tragic and gross ending of this story um and then they stopped having contact really like after this one encounter um and she kind of afterwards was just like i don't want to talk about you know she's been talking about like oh i'm gonna finally meet my father and it's like how'd it go and she's just like i don't want to talk about it yep you know and that and that's it and that's that's where that ended it's it's terribly tragic Like, like there's really no like high points in this story i mean the guest campaign is a high point um, but then people start getting in car accidents, like the Playboy thing. What was good, but like it, it's just yeah. There's, there's, she just can't catch a break while catching these huge breaks. Uh, mm-hmm. Now living full time as Anna Nicole Smith, Anna found it difficult to assimilate to her new Hollywood surroundings. She had always had a taste for pills and booze, but now with the public eye focused on her and the pressure that comes with an endless schedule of public appearances, her drug use began to escalate. 
As with so many bright-eyed, big-breasted beauties before her, Anna set her sights on the silver screen. Shortly after earning the title of Playmate of the Year, she signed a contract with the William Morris Talent Agency, which is fucking huge. Through the mm -hmm. Morris Agency, Anna was offered several film roles. The first one she took was in the all-but-forgotten Coen Brothers film, The Hudsucker Proxy. I've right. never seen this. It doesn't look good. It does, like it's <laughs> it, it's a Coen Brothers movie, but it's like probably their only one that has like pretty much unanimous like shitty reviews. It's a lesser. It's like a lesser one. Um, I haven't seen this one, and I have seen a lot of. I do love the Coen Brothers, so yeah. I haven't seen it. I think it's kind of one that has maybe sort of gotten, you know, sort of a critical reappraisal, and people get it now. I think it was just taking sort of a lighter tone uh, because the Coen brothers have kind of been known for their comedy, but then also some like, you know, no country for old men is like extremely violent and it's kind of, and like Fargo is very violent. So, so I don't think that this movie has, it's, it's just a little more of like the lighter uh, comedic elements well, to it. Uh, it also fits into the the swing revival, like because it's like it's like retro, like and she plays basically herself, but just like a nineteen forties version, brassy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about the guy who like invents the hula hoop. So, which honestly <laughs> sounds like a movie. Like people are like origin stories are so popular now. Like the guy who like invented. Or like the Air Jordans is like oh, yeah. a movie. Hot like the guy Yeah, like there's so many movies like that now. So yeah, um, but so but because even though the movie didn't do great, she still became like the star of the week because she like everyone recognized her from the ads. Now she's gonna be in a movie, so she was on talk shows. There's a, a really weird clip um, where she's on Arsenio, and he's like, "So what's the name of the film?" And she's like, uh, "The Hudsucker Proxy," and he's like, "The what?" And she's like the HUD sucker proxy. He's like, I just want to see you say HUD sucker, and it's just like, oh, oh god, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And also, like, what you want her to suck your HUD? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> get chill out, Arsenio. But that's, <laughs> but that's also like that's like classic '90s TV right there. It's just like, oh, anything she says, like make it sexual. Like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. yeah, sure, like to see that. Yeah, so that's. <laughs> Say HUD sucker again for me. Yeah, exactly. Now, mind you, during all of this, Anna was in two relationships with women, plus her relationship with J. Howard Marshall. By the time the guest campaign was blowing up, she had instructed her lovers to address her only as Anna Nicole, unless, of course, they were in private. Despite the mediocre box office performance of the HUD sucker proxy, Anna Nicole's film offers kept pouring in. She was offered a co-starring role in a one-off comedy starring Jim Carrey called The Mask, but turned it down out of worry that it would not be as popular as a sequel in a franchise, like, say, her other option, The Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Right. In the and documentary, yeah, uh, in the Netflix documentary where it's, like, mostly home footage, she's on a phone call. She's talking about her film roles. She's like, yeah, it's got the, who's that funny guy? Oh, yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's called The Mask. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's like, I just don't think, like, the Naked Guns do great. And you can see in real time her career, her being at this crossroads of, like, you're going to be in a movie with Jim Carrey who did fucking Dumb and Dumber and fucking Ace Ventura and is fucking huge. Or mm -hmm. you're going to do the third in a Leslie Nielsen movie, which are popular, but you're doing the third one. And, like... 
it's not necessarily that one that uh, people remember of his. Like they remember Naked Gun and Airplane, but and I'm sure there's uh, Naked Gun 33 and a third Diehards out there. But, yeah, you know, listening to this, like what the fuck? It, it was successful uh, based on its fran- like the popularity of the franchise, but obviously the mask. Uh, is a really iconic movie that, and that role went to Cameron Diaz, uh, and made her a superstar. Yeah, like launched her uh, career. Um, now it is interesting because you know that uh, footage, it, it, there is home footage of it, and you see it. Um, but also, I mean, things like this seem like they, these do happen in in movies all the time. Um, but like you know, you can always hear an actor who's like, "Oh, I turned down this you know iconic role, and it ended up going to someone else." Uh, but ultimately, you know, in the context of Anna Cole's story, it is just like one more little thing. Like, oh, really? Like, you could have been in the mask. And also, you know. like, you know, some people say, well, like, I mean, obviously, Cameron Diaz was probably a better actress overall than Anna Nicole Smith was. But the thing is, the mask was based on, like, those Tex Ritter cartoons. Is that, is, is that Tex Avery? Tex Ritter. Tex Avery cartoons. Um, okay. And, and, like, with the wolf, like, pounding on the table and, like, all that stuff. Mm, right, right. And right. Uh, Anna Nicole, she would have so much more of, like, a cartoon esque, like, figure, like you would have seen in those cartoons. Whereas Cameron Diaz made it a little more real. Like, I feel like the, the cartoony aspect of the movie would have been elevated by having Anna Nicole, who was like literally built like Jessica Rabbit. You know, I was just gonna say because Jessica Rabbit, um, you know, in Who Killed Roger Rabbit, uh, you know, that like was well, was that the late '80s, early '90s? So yeah, she was basically kind of yeah a living Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, I keep just um, hearing va voom va voom in my head. Like that's the only sound to describe it. Well, her and her, also her character name in the Hudsucker proxy, proxy was Zaza. Oh, that's right. Yeah, based on Zaza Gabor. I'm I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, you just never know with these things. Like, you know, like Jim Carrey blew up so fast. Like, no one knew that. I don't think you necessarily could have predicted. Like, oh, the mass is gonna blow I, up the way it does. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, he was huge <laughs> already by that point. So. Yeah, but anyways, it became clear to her agency and those working closely with Anna that she would never be a box office superstar, rather more of a Jane Mansfield than a Marilyn Monroe, who again was Anna's absolute inspiration. She had even began living in one of Marilyn Monroe's homes, rented for her by J. Harold Marshall, of course. Uh, there's also this big influencer, her name's Jasmine Caldwell, I want to say Jasmine something, um, who is like a British Marilyn Monroe lookalike who lives in fucking Marilyn Monroe's house and like is just like a mega huge TikToker like influencer. And it's just so weird. Like, like Marilyn Monroe just has this never ending ultra fandom where people live mm-hmm. as her like it, and uh, there's right. not too many others that are like that like you know it, it well, reminds and, me of like um, hasn't, wasn't she just in the news because of her home is one of her her home's going to be like demolished or something good in in los <laughs> angeles and it's like people are like no you can't destroy the house like that's where something, she died and she lived yeah. there or something yeah so that's that's been in the news like this month 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is crazy. And I mean, again, like those houses, like th there's several of them. Uh, they're incredibly expensive, as one could imagine. But like, so Anna's really living this like she's like cosplaying almost. But like mm -hmm. she is super glamorous and is super famous. But she's cosplaying as if she's even more glamorous and more famous. And like it's it's very I don't want to say Norman Batesy, but like literally trying to live in someone else's skin. Um, mm -hmm. Also, um this is a fun fact at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood. They have Anna Nicole's makeup table and like counter, and it has a big portrait of Marilyn Monroe painted over it. Um, hmm. Yeah, so you can go pay your respects there. Um, yeah. You know, I was speaking of paying respects. I was thinking of starting a Patreon level where it's like like fifteen thousand dollars for like a one time purchase, and I will fly with you to the Bahamas to visit her grave and like take care of all the expenses and everything. But it's a fifteen thousand dollar buy in. Uh, I think that would that would cover it. <laughs> we'll we'll even um, stay at the Hard Rock in Florida where where uh, where she died first, and then right, and then that's fly a out. little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, someone will pay it. for it someone um, also i mean marilyn monroe was great at acting like yeah i feel like she was kind of a misunderstood i mean she, well misunderstood sounds pretentious because she was super popular but i think people you know kind of like took her like the blonde airhead role seriously wow she's just but she was naturally like, no, she's she's acting she's like that was the role she played and it feels like you know in some ways, she doesn't get her credit as an actor. Uh, more well, of just like being this, you know, the sex symbol, America's sweetheart, whatever. That's what's taken over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, she became so iconic just for being herself that the things that she actually has done fell by the wayside almost. Um, She's much bigger than any one of her movie roles at this point. Like, sure. It's just her her face, like literally just her face, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So despite the speed bumps in her film career, her modeling career was going as strong as ever. But that was about to change. Plagued by chronic back pain due to the weight of her breasts, as well as regular migraines, Anna's prescription pill use intensified. Sometime in mid-1994, Anna accidentally overdosed on Vicodin and Xanax. While in the hospital, her girlfriend Sandy came to visit her. Upon arriving to her room, she found a man also visiting Anna who was apparently one of her boyfriends. And that was the end of Sandy and Vicky Lynn. After her release from the hospital, Anna finally decided it was time to give in to the wishes of J. Howard Marshall, and the two were wed on June 27, 1994, against the wishes of all of J. Howard Marshall's family. So Anna was 26 years old, Marshall was 89. And we have. Right. I mean, there was the probably infamous at some photo. point. Yeah, and the infamous uh, wedding photo, which we've told you. Yeah, look it up. I'm sure you've seen it before. Um, but also, you know, I'm sure the element of time played into accepting the proposal. She's like, I mean, I got to do it at some point because yeah. at, at 89, the expiration date is approaching. Yeah, it's starting to smell wonky, but you could eat around the, the fucked up parts. It's like old bread. <laughs> Like, you just, just snip off the brown ends, you know, it's like a potato. No, just carve that. out the don't dark spots. <laughs> but um, oh, man. their marriage really was mostly her sitting on his lap or just lounging by the pool while he sat in his wheelchair. Um, and they weighed their options as far as having children. But like that was stopped by his family at every turn. And it just wasn't, you know, like that was really an idea that they had together as a way of ensuring that she wouldn't be fucked out of any money when he died, because it was very clear that it was going to be a fight 
even before that moment came. Uh, and mind you, she had a young son throughout all of this that she's taking care of. Daniel, you know, he, Daniel. he's, he's mm-hmm. there. He's a child. He's, he's like seven or 10 years old. Yeah. He's, he's still a kid, you know, through all this now, despite her. And, new- yeah. So this, and sorry, and this marriage, yeah, yeah. as we said before is, you know, probably one of the most, you know, controversial, uh, aspects of her life. Um, and also just like the amount of like tabloid fodder, like just jokes for late night TV comedians, you know, like that's all kind of part of this, you know? Yeah. It's just like sort of not is everyone's just looking at the two of them and like, how is this not about the money? Well, and or the, some yeah. kind of series of jokes like it's just jokes, jokes, jokes. It's controversy. It's tabloid. It's gross. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, like, but also it doesn't help that in the picture, Anna doesn't look like happiest day of my life. Like she looks somber. Like she's giving up something to be there. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just bizarre. It's, it's, that's why it's a culture dump. It's just one of these, one of these things. Now, despite her new trophy wife status, Anna immediately went back to her usual modus operandi and carried out an affair with her bodyguard a bodyguard paid for by Anna's new husband. She was also said to have had sex in the pool at the Playboy Mansion in front of, like, a big crowd and was even accused of calling the security team there to inquire about her wedding ring, which she had lost during the tryst. She allegedly came to pick the ring up about six months later. Speaking of six months, six months after the wedding, so pretty much, like, like she went to pick up the wedding ring, like, right when this shit happened. Um, J. Howard Marshall fell seriously ill and was admitted to the hospital. His son, Pierce, was given power of attorney and limited Anna to 30-minute visits with her husband and completely cut her off financially. 14 months after their wedding, J. Howard Marshall passed away, and the legal battles instantly began, starting with what to do with J. Howard Marshall's remains. I, this is a, a year and change, you know, and, and most of the time she's traveling. She was barely even there during this time. But, yeah, she got cut off. So essentially anything that he had given her was hers, but no more money coming in because now Pierce is in charge of his finances. Howard uh, or J. Howard Marshall can't write any more checks. He, he's First of all, he's incapacitated. You know what I mean? He's virtually unconscious most of this time in the hospital. So she is now totally cut off. Like, you know, for yeah. all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, so um, the f- and, and this. Oh, sorry. I also just wanted to say, like, yeah, this, yeah. this sort of the issue of the, the gold digger or like marrying an old rich man for like it didn't. I don't think that there was many people like in defense of her. Like this is sort of culturally like didn't matter politically or whatever. I think everyone generally was like, yeah, she's doing this for the money. Right. So it was yeah. like an easy one to agree on in the public eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, only in retrospect, like, and with, you know, hearing from her friends and those really close to her, do we get the full picture? Because, again, it was like a grandfatherly thing. And, yes, like, Jay Howard, he was lonely. He wanted to marry her because he was in love with her. But, like, he knew it wasn't going to be, like, a sexual thing or anything like that. It was it was more of, like, this is a way of me taking care of you and helping to guarantee that you'll be taken care of after I'm gone because I don't have much time left. And I want you and, mm-hmm. and Daniel to, you know, be comfortable. So mm-hmm. the first battle right out the gate was whether or not to bury him or, you know, have him cremated. A judge ruled in favor of cremation, and Anna was given a portion of the ashes. 
There were two funerals held, one by the family and one by Anna. And by all accounts, the Anna Nicole hosted funeral was fucking bizarre. She wore the wedding dress to the funeral. Weird. Oh. Um, and she sang The Wind mm-hmm. Beneath My Wings <laughs> to, to the audience oh. of, of, of basically just her friends and her family. No, None of Marshall's people were there, you know, because mm-hmm. they already did like a big one. Um, and she like held the ashes the whole time. It's just kind of sad and bizarre. Um, but, you know, that that's what it was. So the fortune left behind by the late J. Howard Marshall amounted to $1.6 billion. Unfortunately for Anna Nicole, she was not included in the actual will. Any promise of of an inheritance was spoken to each other in private, whereas his son Pierce was basically named the sole benefactor or in charge of the estate, so it was up to him to divvy it up. Um, But Howard was on video, or J. Howard Marshall was on video saying that he wanted Anna to be taken care of. Like, there's literally a video Mm -hmm. of him in the hospital bed. You know, like, I love you. I promise you. Like, I want you to be taken care of, blah, blah, blah. I I want Anna to have this much. Like, he says all this. But critics of that video say that it seemed to be orchestrated or kind of led on by Anna herself. But Anna lawyers up, the family lawyers up, and one of the most publicized legal battles in history was now underway. As news yeah. of yeah, it's like that. And I guess technically yeah, it was once the once his death. That's when it really, I, I kind of jumped the gun. Like that's when all the stories in the late night and you know once it became the legal battle for the money. That's when yeah. the public really had an opinion about all of it. Right. I mean, the picture came out and that kind of starts harming her career a bit because everyone's just like, wait, what the fuck? But it was such a short again, fourteen months. Like it was so short, you know, and no one knew. Mm-hmm. Like when she was coming up and getting the guest campaign and doing movies and stuff, no one knew that she was in this long relationship with this old man. You know what I mean? Right. It only came out after the marriage um, because now, you know, she was a superstar. She wasn't a superstar when she met. She was a stripper, you know, and but now she's a superstar and she gets married. If a superstar gets married, the you know press is going to know about it. And they're just like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm um, So as news of her marriage to the octogenarian billionaire and the brewing legal storm that was on the horizon began to spread, her work opportunities started to dry up. The mystique around her had faded, and soon the down-home, girl-next-door bombshell image gave way to the court of public opinion's new image for Anna, that of a white trash gold digger. Due to the change in public perception, Anna was dropped from her contract at the William Morris Talent Agency. Left with the bill for every aspect of her glamorous life previously financed by J. Howard Marshall, Anna began starring in B-level films such as To the Limit, Skyscraper, and Elevator. Uh, yeah, and it's it just happened very quickly. Yeah. Like, you know, from being in, for even just being in Naked Gun, which again was, a, I mean, financially made like $100 million um, and is like a highly bankable franchise at that point. In what, like 94, uh, 93 or 94, and then to the limit yeah. in 95, like a year later. And this is um, a classic, like sort of erotic thriller or like it's like a like Pamela Anderson did a few of these like barbed wire. Well, barbed wire was a big budget one, but it was ruined by her sex tape. That was that was like a major Hollywood movie that that didn't do well because the sex tape had come out before like right before gotcha yeah well, but pamela anderson's done other where basically it's just like she has, right, yeah, like yeah. she's she's hot and you're gonna see her boobies and she's got a gun and like sign me up just basic yeah yeah and then that's kind of the whole it, uh to the limit um stars co-stars joey travolta 
who is uh, John Travolta's <laughs> older brother, uh, which I didn't know who he was until today. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, Joey so Travolta. I have these movies. Um, I, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I watched Skyscraper last night, getting ready for this, and she, like she is a uh, she plays a high profile helicopter pilot that like flies around like rich executives and stuff from like building to building, and there's a hostage situation. Uh, it, it, at the top of a skyscraper, like some people are trying to sell nuclear arms. If I've lost you, th- try watching the fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, like he's like, there's like a weird nuclear arms deal. Ends up in a shootout. A guy bolts to the top of this skyscraper where he's like basically holding it hostage. And the only way to get in is to have the detectives flown in. One of the detectives mm-hmm. is Anna Nicole's character's like boyfriend, uh, and so he gets stuck in there. She's got to fly to the top of that building and get him out. And uh, I mean, and they fuck like four <laughs> times in the movie, and, and like I I hate to say it, but yeah, it's like the helicopter pilot is just like that's very funny and just it's very bizarre. Um, even her just being like a you know like a secret agent or like yeah. a cop <laughs> or like just something, but like a helicopter bi- pilot has this level of specificity. That just makes it truly bizarre. And if you fi- if you look at these uh, covers, you can tell that it's like very not a lot of thought went into it. It's just like, all right, let's get the boobies on, let's get the titties on the cover. Yeah, and you'll know that you're gonna probably see some cleavage. Oh, and hopefully yeah. that can uh, move some some units yeah so, so to speak uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> no it's like if there was a criterion collection for cinemax like these would be in the, like these are like <laughs> these are like like fucking like wes anderson movies like like level of uh cinema cinemax fucking bullshit but um yeah so they're they're all crime thrillers with a little like a little action thrown in there a lot of porn she also had three separate playboy videos that were out but this is before then and the playboy videos are funny because it's just like her being like i'm from a farm it gets hot at the farm i have to sometimes bathe in the trough and she's just like soaping up her boobs like in a barn uh, i want yeah i almost wonder if like softcore porn is a dump because it it really <laughs> existed now and it was like when before internet access to be to pornography became so easy like i feel like in the 90s you had to have you had to like sneak it you really had to have like a the copy like you had to have the tape or the dvd yeah or the magazine and it you know depending on if you could steal your dad's or you were just like resourceful but it, it there was so much less access to it and it allowed for softcore porn to kind of have a moment because like i would see you'd like flip through the tv and like i remember a friend who had like all the channels and there was just oh, basically yeah. like a softcore porn channel because you can't have the hardcore porn channel but you could see like all they're all naked but there's no nipples there's no like actual genitalia in it yeah 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 like zalman king's red shoe diaries and uh oh, okay <laughs> it's going real specific right <laughs> <off the> <laughs> i've heard you i've did. heard uh, okay, dude i have a fucking really funny that? fucking crazy story <laughs> this is a hard tangent right here but speaking of like having to find like your dad's stash like i found a tape once in my dad's drawer and i was like i gotta watch this so when they went to the store like i couldn't reach the vcr it was too high up so i had to stand on a chair and pop it in and then like i knew that i only had a limited amount of time so i had to like do my thing like standing up on this chair and then fucking like rewind the tape <laughs> and put it back but um uh, oh wait uh, anyways david duchovny was in red shoe diaries yes yeah 
Yeah, and he but okay. he was probably All really right. fucking because he had a he had a little bit of a sex uh, sex addiction thing going on, didn't he? Ah, uh, you tell me. That's, yeah, that's you guys. Oh, dude, what? <laughs> that's the California. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, sex addiction, uh, Russell Brand's in the news, but uh, that's that's a whole mm. other that's a whole other yeah, episode. Yeah. I could see him being a dump later on. So. In 1996, at the end of a rope, Anna Nicole meets and then employs the services of a young attorney named Howard K. Stern to help her. Howard Stern. Yeah, Howard Stern, the, not the only one we'll talk about in this series, to help her in her dispute with the Marshall family. This decision would prove to be another and probably one of the absolute biggest mistakes and place markers of tragedy in her life. Now, she met Howard. Howard was a young attorney. He, I think he he got uh, he passed the bar in like 1994. So this is two years after he started his own law firm uh, with a buddy of his, uh, Dave Shebby. But uh, they met Anna through their friend Ron Rail. And according to Rusty Harden, who was the attorney for the Marshall family, if you watch like clips of the trials, because there's several. Um, there's like parts where Anna's like, oh, go to hell, Rusty, because like he like keeps digging at her because he's like, this sounds mm -hmm. like bullshit. Like mm -hmm. while Anna, like I truthfully do inherently believe that she deserves something. Yes, just from being married to the guy. Why the fuck not? And obviously the guy would want her to have something, you know, maybe not fucking straight up half, but something, you know, if it's a, mm -hmm. there's over a billion dollars to go around. But um, yeah. like Rusty would just like at one point he's like, so in an average week, you've spent $40,000 on cosmetics and blah, blah, blah. And in court, which did not help her at all. She's like, oh, go to hell, Rusty. It's expensive being me. And it's just like, mm -hmm. ah, don't fucking mm -hmm. say that kind of shit, dude. But which is it, which is, again, funny because I feel like at least um, just in the uh, the court of public opinion, uh, all of this just made her seem like this materialistic also with the tabloids of her substance abuse. Um, but you know, a, a comment like that, I feel like now would be, would be like applauded. I feel like that's yeah. kind of like this, you know, like, a the Kardashians like being like, yes, like Kylie, like you are a billionaire entrepreneur. Like you go, like it's, I feel like she would have, yeah, she would have had a lot more sympathy in, in this era. Well, she should have just done the Dolly Parton quote, it costs a lot to look this cheap and get like this, get the public side <laughs> on her. Laugh, but instead right. it was more like, no, it costs a lot to be this fucking glamorous and be Anna Nicole Smith. And that just rubbed people the wrong way. And yeah, it just made her look terrible. Um, now, also, according to Rusty Harden, uh, Philip Bosch was the lawyer that really headed up Anna's legal team. He was separate from Howard and his his firm, but they were all the same team. She had like a dream team going on, like OJ style. And Harden said that Bosch was really his nemesis during this trial, but he left. Uh, he fell by the wayside after the first wave of trials fell through. He didn't see any point in pursuing it anymore. Um, and that's when Howard and his partner Dave Shebby took over until around 2002 when Howard disbanded his law firm and became somewhat of a manager for Anna, um, wearing many different hats in her life. He helped her establish her business, um, which like, you know, a lot of celebrities do this where they make themselves like an LLC or whatever. So that when they purchase a house or a car or anything, it's through the business. It becomes tax write offs. Uh, but her company was called Hot Smoochy Lips, Inc. <laughs> and like that's her. See, so her house yeah. was like literally under hot smoochy lips and like everything was hot smoochy lips and Howard was the president of the company whereas Anna was like the founder and CEO or what, what and have see, you 
And I love that. Like, I love her style. Like, that's a great yeah. name for a company, you know? Everything in Anna Nicole's life could be printed on the butt of, like, sweatpants girls would wear in, like, 2003. Yeah. Like, hot, yeah. smoochy lips. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, but Chevy, you know, he, he when he when the law firm disbanded, uh, you know, under Howard, he said that they just weren't making any money because Howard had grown obsessed with Anna, um, not just as a person, but just the idea that like if I could just get one fucking percent, if she gets half, like I'm set for life, you know, if I can mm-hmm. just get like if I can just get this one case, this is all I need. But then also, you know. It's fucking Anna Nicole Smith. She has this enchanting quality. It's what got her in the situation in the first place. You know, it's what pushed her way through to the top of the modeling world in the first place. And so he just completely fell under her spell. And you'll see that tide change. And you'll see the tables turn over time where he's the whipping boy and then becomes kind of the evil overlord later. Um, But we're not quite there yet. Now, in addition to her career problems, legal problems, and relationship problems, uh, by this time, her relationship with Missy, if you remember her other girlfriend, that had also ended, uh, Anna was having more health problems. And one of her famous implants popped, and the pain of recovery was such that she began using methadone and clonopin, both of which she grew addicted to. And that addiction led to another overdose that landed her in a short but very, very serious coma. She had to relearn how to walk and how to talk and all that shit. From pills, yeah, and all because an implant. So she had to go through more cosmetic surgery to get that repaired. And uh, along with, you know, just like the overdose and her brain damage, uh, she was also prone to seizures, which uh, physicians believed was were due to her drug use and possibly withdrawals from uh, Ben's, like Benny's, you know, like Xanax and stuff like that. That Mm -hmm. can cause seizures uh, when you're going through withdrawal. Uh, to make matters worse and far more complicated, the inheritance case was split between two courts in two different states. You had California and Texas. Anna was the perfect candidate for a California court to be lenient towards, but she was absolutely the worst candidate for a Texas court to you know treat. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to we're going to do this now. This is um, kind of a cheap way of doing this, but it's it's so complicated and I'm I'm just not the guy for this so we're going to give you the complete timeline of the Anna Nicole Smith trials okay from start to finish so we're going to be jumping ahead here but this way because one thing you have to understand about these trials is she was there for a lot of them but a lot of this stuff is paperwork that's being passed back and forth and lawyers doing things on her behalf so like this is we're just we're just doing the the trial and it's and then we'll go back to the late 90s yeah 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 Yeah. exactly um because like you gotta know where this starts and ends otherwise we'll just be updating throughout the rest of the series and i don't want to be doing that because um there's shit that's way more fun to talk about so yeah hang in there because it gets confusing and we are skipping ahead just to give the full timeline so first the texas probate and this is going to be fucking crazy by the way i just uh was reading this in the book um Mm -hmm. uh, blonde ambition and dude you're going to have your mind blown by uh, one of these things. So first, the Texas probate court denied Anna any share of Marshall's fortune. She just simply wasn't in the will. That's where that ends. But then Anna had to file for bankruptcy in 1996 after paying an $850,000 settlement to her former housekeeper and babysitter, Antonio Cer- Antonia Serrato. The settlement was awarded after Anna was sued by Serrato for sexual harassment. She Whoa. sexually harassed her housekeeper to the point mm. where she had to pay her almost a million dollar settlement. That's fucking crazy. Jeez. 
So uh, after that, through a California bankruptcy court who were like, okay, well, we need to figure out how to get money for, you know, for Anna to pay off all this shit. Uh, the fight for Marshall's money was refiled. And this caused the case to be pushed into federal court because the bankruptcy court awarded her a settlement of or awarded her a share of $475 million, which then was lowered to just $88.5 million. But then in 2004, a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit threw out that decision, claiming that the whole thing was in Texas's jurisdiction. This happened in Texas. You were married in Texas. This is a Texas thing. You filed for bankruptcy in California, but California can't fight Texas to get money. It just doesn't work like mm -hmm. that. Um, but it doesn't stop there. In 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court heard the appeal, and on May 1st, 2006, Anna learned that she was awarded the right to pursue her share of the Marshall Estate in federal court. So she didn't get awarded any money, but they're like, you can continue to pursue this. And actually, it was mm -hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg that wrote the majority opinion for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You I mean, go, girl. Supreme Court. Yeah, you I mean, know, this is huge. And it's this like... This is a big deal. And like again, she she's doing all this other stuff during this time. Again, we're skipping ahead here, so it's 2006. She's fucking huge. And whether she's in the news for TV stuff, modeling stuff, this, that, then there's the court thing. Like, she's just this catch-all. Um, now, June 20th, 2006, saw the death of Pierce Marshall, which left the estate in the hands of his widow, Elaine, who vowed to continue the fight against Anna Nicole Smith. And shortly after that development, the case would officially be closed with neither Anna nor her heirs winning a single cent from the estate. And that's that with what happened legally. Yeah. So, but, and that's, so it's, I mean, it's been dragged out for, you know, basically 10 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, which is a very long time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's so much money that but, but Howard eventually Howard K. Stern becomes her only attorney because he's working pro bono and, uh -huh. and like to the point where he claimed that like and what friends in, in their circle said was like she wasn't paying him. She wasn't keeping him on retainer. But like if he needed to pay his rent, she would just give him some cash <laughs> or like uh -huh. if, if he needed something, she would just buy it for him. Like basically just like a, it's like a very complicated and sort of messy professional relationship that's bleeding over into other elements and making it all like just getting entangled you know yeah exactly so anna began to shrink her personal circle out of mistrust of everyone around her despite her failing career and shrinking bank account there were still people banking on her winning half of marshall's estate especially howard k stern who like i said was working pro bono for the fading star and this is also where Anna's like love-hate relationship with the press began. She used to love it, always posing for pictures, signing autographs until oh. she was physically forced in the car by her security team. Uh, she loved it. But the new attention she was getting, like, you know, she'd pose for all these pictures and, oh, I love you, I love the press, boom. And then right next to these pictures that she, like, graciously posed for would be this awful story about her you know back on drugs or gold digger exactly know. so it's like what the yeah, fuck who like she, who she's stepping out with tonight exactly yeah it, it was all negative stuff and uh that's also right when howard kind of became somewhat of a business manager hot smoochy lips all that so Anna Nicole and her highly publicized personal troubles became the stuff of late night show dreams. And this did nothing but harm her already tarnished reputation as a supermodel turned trash. It's just can't catch a break. And at this point, the stress, the, the lack of funds, everything, she starts gaining weight, like little by little, uh, deals are dropping off. She does these shitty movies. It's, it's all kind of turning on her. Uh, so yeah, cause she really didn't do that many movies. 
No. Uh, at all. Um, and she did a little bit of TV. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it really... I mean, she had the modeling and Playboy, so there were things. But, you know, it, it, it is also, you know, just be her fame is just also being propulsed by her life. Just like all of right. the drama in her life at and, this point. And that's not profitable because yeah. like, you're, you're in the or, you're in the news all the time, but no one's paying you for that, you know. And it's not healthy. No. And it's not sustainable at all right and um, and her drug use and everything is ramping up because of the depression all this all the surgeries and pain that she's been going through like so it's all and like the worst she got really like overall as far as like and i don't want to like harp on her appearance or whatever but like in the public eye the worse her her looks were affected and her health and everything the more attention she was getting so it's this like crazy parallel of like mm-hmm. the worst you are the more famous you're getting <laughs> and it's like that just propels each other it's so terrible so now in between homes that she was barely able to afford to pay for, Anna Nicole was approached with a unique opportunity, her own television show, a show that would let the audience into her everyday life, a show that would help to define a new genre of television that would revolutionize the platform for years to come. Enter 2002's The Anna Nicole Show. Anna, Anna, Lambert. Oh yeah. Yes, this is my favorite thing on the planet. Uh I fucking <laughs> love it yeah. so goddamn much. Uh there was two seasons. Uh, the first season is really the one that that you want. Uh, both are completely available on YouTube. Um, I'll I'll post them to our Patreon just just so you have them all in one spot. Um, I'm just gonna talk about my favorite moments uh, real quick. I have a, a nice lengthy list. Yeah, here. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to also say, like in part, um, you know, Meet the Osbournes had come out. So the Osbournes, kinda, yeah, or the yeah the Osbournes, because basically there there had been uh, reality TV like real world. Uh, before this but that was kind of the whole idea was like it's ordinary people being put into the situation uh and the osbournes was like oh we let's do this with famous people and sort of the the juxtaposition of like the prince of darkness this badass rocker just like doing like fumbling with the tv remote and being extremely domesticated uh the show was a huge success and basically people approached Anna Nicole because it's like well you know I bet if we just like let the cameras roll yeah I'm sure we're gonna get something you know so kind of like yes good for you and also probably a bit of like oh let's film the train wreck that you know is happening well and that that's Uh, really the big thing like because the Osbournes came out first I believe in 2001 and it was such a huge sensation but it's like you know obviously you want it to be crazier like like you want the like the crazier the stuff to happen so the uh, right. and that was an MTV show, but the E Channel they were like, okay, who can we do now? That right. that and again, like they didn't know if it was gonna work, so they couldn't get a really fucking famous person, you know, to do this. So it's like, oh, Anna Nicole was just fucking ripe and perfect for this shit. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and this is 2002 because I mean, at this point, like you know, I'm in 
middle school and you're in middle school and yeah it when i think back on those times um i the way anna nicole was kind of seen in the media like i didn't know that she was on playboy or guests or any movies like it was just her yeah you know like at that point it was really just like oh she's this person now she's got this show it's like who's this ridiculous person you know like I yeah, remember the I had no idea. ads, which we'll talk about too, but it wasn't necessarily, and that's not to say that like, obviously older people would remember the guest campaign. Uh, but I think part of the Anna Nicole show is that now it's introducing her to a younger generation uh, in ways that are just generally not uh, flattering. Yes, exactly. Well, and that became the whole thing. And also, there's just this great cast of characters. You have Sugar Pie, her little dog that Howard ends up taking care of. You have Howard, who, by the way, just dresses like shit. Like, like no matter how <laughs> fucking famous or big the show got, he's just like, like, and it's so funny. I was reading all these reviews from when the show first aired because it mm-hmm. it had um it, it had what like seventy. I think it premiered with like 7 million viewers, something like that. Like, I mean, it was huge. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everyone loved it. And right. then after the first episode, like everyone started talking, they're like, well, now I definitely got to tune in. And the episodes right, right. get fucking crazier and crazier, especially in that mm-hmm. first season. Um, yeah. But yeah, dude, Howard is just such a fucking schlub. And then she has her assistant, uh, Kimmy, AKA Kim Walther, who's like a short kind of like chubby girl with like blue hair, pink hair, like the classic, like late nineties, early two thousands, like, like sexually ambiguous kind of fucking assistant that like is obsessed with Anna. That's the thing. Everyone in Anna's circle in the show is like in love with her so mm-hmm. much so that then they hate each other. Like, yeah. like, like Kimmy and Howard fucking hate each other because mm-hmm. they're both vying for her attention. And Anna will like maybe jokingly hump or like Howard in one episode or give him like a little lap dance or something like as a goof. Right. And then Kimmy's just fuming. But then she might like cuddle with Kimmy and give her some lip kisses. And now Kim, like that's good enough for Kimmy to stick around for like another three years, like, you know, just hoping for another moment. Right. And then you have Daniel mm-hmm. who just wants to play Counter-Strike and beat off probably and like eat pizza who fucking hates the camera crew. Like and is right. so upset to be there. Um, but I want to talk. Yeah, and, it, and it just, sorry. And it also, it has that, you know, reality TV has changed a lot and like the camera angles and like the production has really improved so it has that like early 2000s like kind of figuring it out yes yeah. to the whole concept of reality tv right as well. mix that with one of probably the most engaging subjects and perfect for better or for worse reality tv stars that yeah. there is Right. And again, everyone surrounding her, like you have Bobby Trendy, who was like, so the first episode, the first episode, she's going house hunting um, and like every house she goes into. And I mean, again, not to be insensitive, but she's at her biggest. Okay, And uh, her thing is like every house she checks out, she has to check out the tub and like she gets stuck in one of the tubs in one of the houses. And she's like, I had too much candy. I talked about that on the last episode. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they finally find like this big fucking perfect house for, I think it's in studio city in California. And now, but it's like empty the whole show. It's like fucking empty, basically like mattress on the ground, TV on the ground. Um, So she brings in Bobby trendy, the most flamboyantly like phony, like, 
really playing it up for the cameras guy ever in the history of reality mm-hmm. TV, I, I would say, uh, to you know do the interior decorating. Now he's a real estate agent, sells like multi-million dollar properties. Still very outlandish. Uh, you got to follow mm-hmm. him on Instagram. But yeah, he comes in. This is going to be fabulous. It's glorious. So luxurious. And every time he shows <laughs> yeah. up, they play like this like fucking riff. It's so good. But him and Howard end up hating each other. And Howard's like dressing up as him. And like, it's very like early 2000s like i'm making fun of bobby trendy because he's gay and so i'm like putting on a boa and walking around the house and like ugh. Mm-hmm. but um you know like they get in fights like constant fights that are so awkward and anna wants everything pink bobby puts everything together super shittily like everything is fucking like falling apart at the seams everything looks uncomfortable and trashy and horrible um that's a great character um th- my favorite well there's a couple of my favorite episodes, obviously, but fucking yeah, Ryan and we've said it many, but Ryan loves this show, and I've I've seen I love it, but Ryan, we've you you love this, show. yeah, I love it. Well, I had two copies of season one because they never released season two on DVD. I had two copies of season one, but I sold one on our web store, culturedumps.bigcartel.com, to someone in New Jersey, so now he has that. But um, there, there's a great one where it's an eating contest, like. I forgot what the deal was. Like, they are just talking about who could eat more or something. So her, Kimmy, Howard, and Daniel all go to this Italian restaurant, which I tried to go to to do this. I was going to do like the Anna Nicole like <laughs> ba- like feast where you order the same ship. And they basically uh-huh. order like a pizza, manicotti, spaghetti, a calzone, like each. And, th- and they're seeing who could eat the most. And it's because Anna said that, like, when she first met Howard, she went out with him and his friends, and she out ate all of them. They had, like, an eating contest. And there's this great part <laughs> where Anna's kind of, like, she she's kind of losing. So she goes <laughs> she goes to the bathroom, and Howard's like, mm, I don't believe this. And she's mic'd up, and she's obviously in there fucking throwing up. Like, you can hear, like, like puking. Not even, like, in a bulimic way, but, like, she just ate so much stuff. It's like coming up her gullet and how, and, and Howard's like visibly pissed, like actually like, like if this isn't fun, I'm mad. And he's just like, no, oh, nothing. Yeah. Like, she's like, what's wrong, Howard? Why are you looking at me like that? And he's just like, oh, nothing, nothing. I just, uh, just heard something. And she's like, what? Like, and she gets like, it just starts escalating. And like, Kimmy is just like, oh my God. And Daniel's just sitting there. Like, I like my pizza. And, um, like at one point she's like you think i fucking threw up well if you must know i was in there taking a shit that's what i was doing and you're just like oh my god dude uh there's another really good one um where oh yes they they audition personal chefs for her and like it's all like like it's all healthy stuff and the only one that she picks is the guy that made her a dessert uh which is funny (laughs) yeah she takes driving lessons in one she goes to driving school and she's like horrible at driving and like the instructor like very thick you know some asian accent you know like like classic like like a driving instructor you would see in like a fucking 90s sitcom or like comedy movie and he's like terrified the whole time like oh stop stop and uh she makes him go to a 7-eleven where she gets a big ass nesquik strawberry milk and a giant bag of doritos and like that's her like hold on i need a snack really quick (laughs) like strawberry milk and doritos um these are all things that you can buy for me, by the way, uh, if you want to get me a gift. Um, then once the show really picks up, she goes on the actual Howard Stern show, and she never wanted to do it because he was so mean about her. He made fun of her so much on his show regarding her husband and all this stuff. She even says, like, 
yeah, fuck him. Like he said terrible things and like, I don't, but they're but the producers of the show. There's like a scene where the producers like kind of break the fourth wall and they're like, you have to do this because 6 million people are going to hear it. And that's like part of the deal. When you have a TV show, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. And so she does. Mm-hmm. And, and Howard K Stern comes with and wears a wig. And he's like, I'm also Howard Stern. And the real Howard Stern's just like, I don't give a fuck about this bit. Like what the fuck? But what ends up happening is the guy, Benji, who's like one of the sidekicks on the Stern show. He like, he's saying something like, she's like, Oh, I haven't been laid in so long. And he's just like, I'll fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll fuck you right now. Like, right, right. Fucking now. Like right. I'll, I'll make, and, and so he takes her into the bathroom in the studio and it's like mic'd up and he goes down on her and she's like, sorry, I'm on my period. And he's like, it's okay. And, uh, and he's like, is that good? She's like, uh-huh. like, it's just so gross. And then afterwards yeah. she, she goes on a date with him, uh, where he teaches her how to hula hoop. But- like, I want to, yeah, I just want to jump in with the her appearances on Howard Stern because, um, yeah, just the whole, like, like he tried to weigh, he tried to, like, get her on a scale. Right, yeah. And weigh her, and he's just, he's saying just, like, really mean things to Howard Stern, and I've, it's interesting because, or, I mean, he's saying really mean things to Anna Nicole, and I feel like there's this whole this is maybe totally an aside, but like Howard Stern, it's kind of like, Oh, he's a legend. He, he broke all these barriers. And like, there's this one kind of portrayal and narrative of him being like this, you know, free speech, uh, fighter. Yeah. Uh, but then when you like, that's fine. But then if that's how you're going to view Howard Stern, but then don't go back and watch the shit that he was actually doing because some of it is, it's just like extremely mean spirited shit. He's just like, let me have you on my show and make fun of you and talk down to you and degrade you. It's and a it's far like, it's like, cry from nowadays. Yeah. It's so it's like a very, um, I feel, I don't know. In a lot of ways, I feel like his legacy was kind of like to purport, like to just make more like trash shit. Right. Well, acceptable. So there's a new show that came out. I, I talked about it briefly on uh, on our on one of our Patreon series, but it's called Dark Side of the 2000s. And there's an episode about the Shock Jock Wars, where it's like Stern versus Opie and Anthony versus like Bubba the Love Sponge, like, and like they show some like really fucking awful shit that Howard Stern did. Like, they like the way the show makes it out to be, and maybe there's more to it, but I mean, fucking just knowing what we know about how that show used to be, like he essentially made this one really famous DJ from like Philadelphia. Uh, he like was coming for him, wanted to take over his territory, did like a public funeral for the guy, like all this, like he's fucking dead, like I'm taking over, and had his like he got divorced from his wife during him like because he lost his job and everything was fucked then howard stern has this this poor guy's now ex-wife on and like makes her get on his lap and like being really fucking creepy and like be like oh how you hear me with your wife buddy blah blah blah. and -hmm. she ended up killing herself like she was so humiliated like so yeah like if you look back at howard stern and especially with anna nicole like it's just fucking brutal and also she goes on um another show i forgot what show it was but it was another really big one i think it was it was west coast based as opposed to new york and um she walks off because they're like, you seem like you're and I mean, to their credit, they weren't wrong, but they're like, you seem like someone that is under the influence and, mm-hmm. and you've gained a lot of weight and like, what's going on with you? And she's like, yeah, shut the fuck and like leaves. Um, but she was on pills the entire time. And yeah, like there's an aspect of it where you like it's been said that she kind of amped that up a little bit, much like how Paris Hilton would put on a baby voice and stuff or even Jane Mansfield. But a lot of it is just a lifelong addiction, you know? Sure. And and I guess that's... But then that's the thing is, like, an addiction is one thing, 
but I think also it's kind of like this is like the peak era of like media giving like caring about women's weight and yeah. just being like oh you gain you look heavier like why is that and then just kind of having to be on the spot on mic and feel like you need an explanation for like why aren't you skinny anymore yeah um and that's just i mean and that's gonna like that I think was that's the worst totally that could gonna, happen to a woman like you know yeah like yeah. it's like oh my god you've gained weight and then obvious and obviously i think that's gonna really you know play into like this the trim spa era which we will get into um on a later episode but like that yeah it's I think in some ways you can, you know, see the way media has changed. If you like look at like Howard Stern, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah like the things have changed a lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, now, you know, and it's like you have all these podcasts now and like you have like edge lords trying to be, but it's, it's still yeah, just not the you same. Do. Uh, yeah, you do have the, what is that format where it's like, it'll be like one guy and like 10 women Oh yeah, and he's just like he's you just guys like, are sluts. Yeah, you're all sluts, and you're like, what is this podcast? Yeah, what, what, like, like, like how how are you gonna have worth to a man? And it's like, bro, yeah, how low, is any girl ever gonna like, want to be around you? Yeah, I mean, now that I say, it, I'm like, okay, I guess Andrew Tate kind of like just happened. Yeah, so <laughs> so I don't know if uh, if anything's changed. Yeah, um, yeah, it, so it's just evolved. That. It's just buffer now. Um, but uh, so let's see a couple other things. Um, they, one of my favorite things that they do on the Anna Nicole shows, they put Howard in really uncomfortable situations. Like they take him to puppetry of the penis, which could be a dump, like a, like a mini dump. Like that was such a big mm, thing where yeah, the two yeah. guys get on stage and like they like pull their dick over their wrist. They're like, it's a wristwatch. And they're like, it's right. fucking nine <laughs> o'clock. Yeah. Or like mm -hmm. fucking like they'll pull their foreskins out. And they're like, it's the Eiffel Tower. Like I could do the cheeseburger where you turn your nuts sideways and pull your dick in between your balls and then kind of scrunch the whole thing down. So you like so so the balls become the bun and the little like areas where like your hair comes out, like the, the ball hair, those are like the sesame seeds, that's what they say. And then and, yeah, dude, dude, it's fucking crazy. Way too much. I, I well, I'm not like showing it. It's we're audio only, dude. But and thank God. But yeah, Howard's like, oh, I can't go look at these guys' cocks. And uh, and then th there's a great two-parter episode where they go to Vegas, like just to like blow off steam. And that is where a million memes were born. Okay, there's um the one where she's like sitting in a limo and she's like, how come I'm in the sun and no one fucking else is? <laughs> like, because the sun just so she switches. And then when she switches sides, the sun's on her side again. She's like, God damn right. it, and just like miserable. Right. That shit's hilarious. Um, they go to a Chippendale show and Howard's just like, oh, like all like homophobic and weird. And um, but then afterwards, Anna gets to meet the guys and they give her her shirts. And she's like, these are brand new shirts. There ain't even no musk on them, which is hilarious. They get yeah. uh, lap dances and Howard is like bright, red faced, sweaty, drunk as fuck, like getting lap dances. And then Anna's like feeling all the girls tits, like all the strippers, like think of her as like a fucking strip club legend. So they're like yeah. asking her for advice and stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Big pink fucking limo with like the E channel insignia on the windows, like when she rolls up. Um, mm -hmm. there is one, uh, where it's Kimmy's birthday and our birthday was around Halloween. So they throw this big Halloween party at this place, uh, called Fubar out here, uh, where I've actually mm -hmm. played a show. And I remember when I played there, I was like, <laughs> Oh fuck, this is where Kimmy's birthday party was <laughs> like so stupid, <laughs> oh dude. God. It's just like some little bar in West Hollywood, but she buys Kimmy a car. It's very sweet. Um, one, I'm saving my favorite for last. I'm almost there. Um, 
One of my absolute favorites is the Millionaire Matchmaker, where she hires this company that ended up getting its own spinoff show, Millionaire Matchmakers, where it's like basically, you know, you're a woman with needs. You want to get set up with a rich professional. This company will help you do that. They'll facilitate that. So Anna gets put on a date with this like total like dweeb who's like, well, I got a date with uh, Miss Anna Nicole Smith, so I better go get some duds. And like he goes, he's like, this is a very hip place on Sunset Boulevard, a very hip, hip part of town. And he's going to like the lamest, douchiest stores, like just getting like he just he could have gone to the men's warehouse to get what he got. But he like has to Mm -hmm. go to this other place and uh, he brings her all these gifts. Brings her dog treats for sugar pie, flowers, everything. And uh, he, he keeps calling her Anna Nicole. Like, he's like, oh, Anna Nicole. Like, instead of Anna, like, <laughs> he's got this, like, very weaselly, like, oh, Anna. And, oh, uh, Anna. yeah, oh, Anna Nicole, you're crazy. And uh, he takes her to, like, this very fancy, like, only two people can go into the room at a time, like, like Japanese, like, steakhouse. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm taking her to the nicest steakhouse in town. It's very romantic. It's private. And oh, Anna God. asks the guy, it's like Wagyu shit, like, you know, like, fucking little bits at a time. She asks for A1, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I'm sure we can get you some A1 sauce. And then afterwards, she's like, I'm still hungry. And so he takes her to fucking Saddle Ranch, and now he's getting wasted. So, like, the guy's, like, red-faced. He's sweating. His tie's getting looser. They go to Saddle Ranch on Sunset Boulevard, which is, like, a very douchey nightclub. It's been in a million reality shows. They have a mechanical bull, like, you know, and it's, like, it's crazy because it's the country spot in the middle of Los Angeles. And Mm -hmm. she's, like, eating ribs and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Like, so she has second dinner. And, like, they both get on the bull. Everyone's, like, cheering for her and stuff. She's wearing this crazy dress. And then she wants pickles. That's the other thing. She's eating pickles throughout the entire the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pickles right, right. Is, is a huge deal for her. And so he's like, oh, I'll take you to Greenblatt's. We'll get, it's the best pickles in town, Miss Anna Nicole. And uh, like then takes her home, and, they, and, and, and ne'er the two shall meet again. But uh, the best episode is, and this is important. This is, this is actually important to Anna's story. There's an episode where there's a film crew outside of her house. That's not E Channel, and there and there's mm. some and there's some woman with them filming, and and they're they're peeking through the windows, and and they tried to knock on the door to get an interview or whatever. And Howard goes out there to be like, you guys can't be here. It's trespass. He's actually being a lawyer and and like a talent manager, like for mm-hmm. once, and telling them like they can't be here, like they can't show up unexpected. And it turns out that they have her cousin Shelley from Mejia, Texas mm-hmm. with her. And cousin Shelly right. will make several appearances throughout the show. Um, and I'll tell you why. So basically there was a documentary crew from France making an Anne Nicole documentary. They went to Mejia. They met up with their family. Cousin, they told cousin Shelly, we'll fly you out to LA so we can reunite you with your cousin, thinking that that'll be a way to coax Anna out of the house and into an interview, which doesn't work. But then cousin Shelly's like, well, can I just please leave a note for her? And she does seem really honest. And cousin Shelly has no teeth. By the way, uh, she's 100% from Mejia, Texas. Uh, not to disparage right. the town, but think of someone from mm-hmm. a very small fucking desert town. That's her. And um, so she leaves a note just saying, like, I know it was a surprise, but I had no other way out here besides the, the film crew flying me out. Like, can we talk at least on the phone? So Anna agrees to go to dinner with her. They pick up Cousin Shelly. And everything starts to unravel. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're at the yeah. they're at the dinner table, dude. It's so fucking classic. I quote it all the time. Like first thing <laughs> that happens is they're in this crowded restaurant. It's Daniel, Kimmy, Howard, cousin Shelley, and Anna. And Anna, like you know, in the side interview, she's like, "That girl can talk." 
And mm-hmm. she leans over, cousin Shelly leans over to Anna. She's like, Hey, do you got a pain pill or something? I got a migraine. And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. oh okay. And Anna starts digging mm-hmm. through her purse, which is a crazy thing that I, they left in the show is she like gives her a fucking pain pill. Um, and then someone like a waitress comes over with a shot of Southern comfort. And they're like, this is from the gentleman over at that table. And it had a note that said a little Southern comfort to a Southern girl. Like we're big fans. Uh, and she's like, Oh, thank you. And, uh, Anna's like, I can't huh. drink this though. Probably cause she has so many pills in her system. And, and she's like, here, you can have it to cousin Shelly. And cousin Shelly's like, you want to have it with me? And she's like, no, yeah. you can have it. So she yeah. downs like a glass of Southern comfort and her face, it's like a werewolf. Her face just like changes to Mr. Hyde. Like it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde instantly after that Southern comfort hits the gut. <laughs> and then she starts. Yeah. I just feel like just yeah. like unhinged, like pain pill, like out, like that kind of stuff wouldn't be in a reality. It's show like anymore. wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. Yeah. 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 And she tells this story. She's like, Oh, you know, um, she's, like, she's talking about going in for like a like a gynecology appointment or something when she was pregnant, and she's like, you know how they put your finger in, blah, 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 like whispers like the rest of it to Anna, and Anna's like, uh huh, and Anna's just so done with cousin Shelley, and cousin Shelley's like, well, he he wouldn't take his fingers out of there, and I said that hurts. Get your finger out of there, and and he says, ma'am, please, like you know, and she's like, if you don't get your fingers out of there, I'm gonna deck you, and and the nurse says there will be no violence in this room, and I said, listen, I'm going to punch him in the face, and so I I said it, and I bam clocked him and she said oh, i'm gonna sue you and i said what are you gonna get bitch a food stamp which is like <laughs> such a classic like comeback and um yeah she talks about wanting to get her teeth done and blah 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 and she wants her teeth to look like anna's teeth and all this stuff mm-hmm. then they drop her off uh at the end of the night and before she gets out of the car she's like do you have any cash on you so i can get a pack of smokes which is <laughs> like hilarious um so that's that and one it d- yeah it does not feel it feels very real yeah, and, uh, and again, yeah. Uh, I'm almost done because I'm not going to really talk about the second season because it's second season that they do stuff like acting classes with Danny Bonaducci. They go camping. Uh, the first episode is actually really <laughs> worth watching because they do like a bachelor thing where it's five guys competing for. Her. But the the last episode of season one is a Christmas party where everyone that's been in all the like the driving instructor, the private chef, Bobby Trendy, like China is there. Margaret Cho is there. Kathy Griffin is there. Uh, Howard is fucking blackout drunk. Cousin Shelly comes back like everyone's at this big ass Christmas party where Anna gets sloppy drunk. They have an ice sculpture where you drink it out of her vagina. Like you pour a shot down her throat and drink it out of her vagina, uh, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And then she like makes out <laughs> with Margaret Cho all hard. If you've seen, um, party legends or party stories, it's like a vice show where they animate celebrity party stories. Margaret mm-hmm. Cho tells the story of that party. Uh, cause it was so uh, crazy. Okay. And China was there. That's when China was really big or like kind of like falling, like going through a fall. They'll reunite uh, a couple years later, um, but that's not till next episode. But like cousin Shelly shows up and she starts singing like Noel, like, like and karaoke and just blowing mm-hmm. it. And then she, and she's wearing this like horrible, like skirt, like something a professional woman would wear in like Kansas to like an office job in like 1990. And, uh, but it's 2003 or whatever. And, um, she gets in the pool and it's like, and Howard's like, get inside. He's like all drunk. He's like, come inside. It's crazy. She's like, God, she's fuck you, Howard. And flashing him and stuff. She gets, she takes her shirt off completely. And then fist fights Anna's beauty team, like literally mm-hmm. fist fights them. It's fucking crazy. It's the most unhinged Christmas episode of any show ever like it's out of control but yeah then the second season happens again it's it's crazier her drug use seems to be ramped up but she is losing weight 
But the show was canceled after two seasons. People just got sick of it. It was too much at once, right? It, it was mm-hmm. too strong of a dose at once. Um, mm-hmm. So in 2003, after the cancellation of her show, Anna would be offered another business opportunity, which would jettison her back into the spotlight for all of the wrong reasons. That opportunity was a spokesperson gig for a new weight loss product. And that product was called Trim Spa. And that's where we're going to leave you off this week. Boom. Woo. Yeah. Nice, uh, man. It's very all downhill from here, um, unfortunately. We're finally doing it. You got got to tell. I mean, this is a big moment. Yeah. You you got to share your favorite Anna Nicole Smith story. moments i know i could have i could have done that on squirts but like no 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 no. this is great because you got to know how fucking crazy it is and again like watch that shit it is there's nothing like it like seriously there is nothing like it like we okay the we talked about this on our patreon at length but the best reality show of all time is small town security this Mm -hmm. is easily second like like very close like almost tied you know um the only I, I would say the reason why I wouldn't be number one is because she was famous. So there's like a little lack of like true reality, even though it is raw as fuck. Whereas small town security is small town security guards. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, yeah. Yes. So next week, you know, we, we, we have the, the trim spa. We have more scandal, uh, a little bit more cousin Shelly, actually. And unfortunately, a lot more tragedy. Yes. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, fo- oh, also enjoy the chaos while you can. Yeah, you know, the story does have a sad ending. Oh, so. it's got it's got more than that. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's brutal. And again, folks, I really would recommend. Um, I, I believe it's on YouTube. We did post a video of it on our Patreon, and it is the 2020 Anna Nicole special that came out a couple years ago, where um, her daughter gets like a tour of the country. And I believe even the Bahamas like and does like a whole like getting to know her mom thing through her friends and family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. It's quintessential. Um, speaking of our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps for exclusive episodes. Uh, I counted them up last night. We have over 100 bonus episodes on Patreon. There is so much more there content there. Um also, the Woodstock 99 mystery tape is a great watch. Um, it, that that stuff really helps us out. But again, always you know, just share the show. Repost when we post something, reshare it. That that helps us greatly too. Word of mouth, of course. Um, you know, anything to keep us dumping, really. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. Patreon.com/slash/CultureDumps. Uh, we do have a store. I'm revamping it right now because um, we want to put some actual merch up there. Um, but that's CultureDumps.BigCartel.com. Follow us on Instagram at CultureDumps. You can. Send us suggestions, comments, concerns, any of that stuff to culturedumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. And I'm Parks Miller. Keep on dumping.